Ground Cover News is a nonprofit street paper that was founded in April 2010 as a means to empower low-income persons to make the transitions from homeless to housed and from jobless to employed. Vendors purchase each copy of the Ground Cover News regular edition at our office for 50 cents. This money goes towards production costs. Vendors work selling the paper on the street for $2, keeping all income and tips from each sale. This audio production was made possible by the Ann Arbor District Library, recorded at Fifth Avenue Studios. If you consistently enjoy Ground Cover Speaks, continuing to buy physical newspapers from Ground Cover vendors ensures that we can sustain production. The physical paper and in-person interaction is at the heart of our work. You can find the link to our next audio recording in the upcoming print issue of Ground Cover News. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to our print advertisers, the People's Food Co-op, St. Francis of Assisi Parish, First Baptist Church, Bethlehem United Church of Christ, the Office of Community and Economic Development, Cineholic, Art on a Journey, Ann Arbor for Public Power, Four Directions, and the Ypsilanti Food Co-op. Selling Newspapers in Ypsilanti, Michigan by Mike Jones, Ground Cover Vendor 113. New Year, New Location, Ypsilanti is a Destination. I decided to build a customer base in the city and township I live in. I will start by saying big thanks to my good friend, former vendor, manager Jim Clark, for his vision and incredible guerrilla marketing skills. The past year or more, we at Ground Cover News have been talking about gaining a bigger customer base in Ypsilanti to inform the people on the issues of homelessness and poverty. That vision will now be made reality. This December, I started on my mission selling ground cover news in Ipsy. And what a response. Just as planned, people were, notice, people were noticing the ground cover news signs all over Ypsilanti, Michigan area. I was received with open arms because people wanted to know more about this news publication. After a few days of testing the waters, I'm convinced ground cover news will do well in this great city of Ypsilanti, Michigan. When out and about in the downtown area, one can find other ground cover vendors or myself, Mike Jones, in Depot Town, Bobcat Bonnie's, and Cross Street by EMU's campus. Other vendors and myself look forward to engaging in friendly conversation and making ends meet at the same time. We at Ground Cover News thanks all in advance for their support of our publication. Math, where will we be without this subject? As challenging as it may be for some students, it's worth grasping. There are theories that some people who are left-brained and right versus right-brained excel at math. Many believe that to be good in mathematics, you need to be left-brained or logical and an analytical thinker, whereas you're right-brained or creative and free-thinking, you are doomed to struggle with the subject. But did you know this notion has been scientifically proven false? Let's be real. Learning math helps with decision-making and improves cognitive skills. I know that some issues that people have with learning the subject involve lack of understanding of the terms and definitions. For those who are struggling, 
there is a new software available through Neaton Mathematics. Neaton Mathematics was developed by a longtime math teacher who saw a need to augment the traditional math curriculum with a more personalized approach that gave teachers additional tools to help students. Too often, teachers aren't able to judge performance until it is too late. The, the My Number DNA program allows students to evaluate students' performance in relation real-time and better understand their needs. To learn more, please visit mynumberdna.com. To bring Neaton Math to your school, email Neaton, N-E-A-T-O-N, math, at gmail.com. Finding art supplies with little to no money. Cindy Gear, ground cover vendor number 279. Art is made by all kinds of people around the world, from some of the poorest nations to the wealthiest. The biggest issue is finding supplies. For low-income artists, it's nearly impossible. I personally will give you all of my secrets to help you find art supplies. I first look at what do I need. Then I break it up into what I most need to what I least need at that stage of producing the art. Then I break it up into most expensive to least expensive, such as cobalt aquamarine blue paint. Even beads are broken up into shiny diamond-like beads to seed beads. Much of what I just told you is now in my head. Then I go to shows and stores to get what I'm needing. Now, onto the list of where to find supplies. General garage and rummage sales. Free bins and boxes that pop up all along the side of the road in nice weather. The store called Scrap Box on Washtenaw near Hogback Road is wonderful because it has so many useful things nearly free. I generally pay just 10 cents for most things. Ann Arbor Thrift Store, Ann Arbor District Library Arts and Crafts Supply Exchange event, which is coming on Sunday, February 24th, 12 to 2 p.m., at Millington Creek Library. Salvation Army and Goodwill. Making art is about finding the art supplies as much as it is making the art. So remember, 
it can be as much fun to find the parts as it is to make the art. Keep it fun. Toxic Stresses, Executive Functions, and Remendation by Jim Clark. My name is Amy O'Foyle, and I'm reading this. There are many highly intelligent people among the unhoused population of Washtenaw County. Some, with, some are gifted in ways not measured in academics, but have incredible talents, skills, perspectives, thoughts, ideas, and so on. There are two prongs to this article. One is that among the homeless, there are many gifted people that are unable to help themselves because of the toxic stress effect of the homelessness on their cognitive functions to the lack of executive functions training in the form of education can also contribute to the homelessness it seems very it seems counterintuitive to think that someone who is highly intelligent could wind up homeless yet unnettedly there are a lot of people out there who fit the description crossing this descript describers with mental illness we find many brilliant minds stifed strived by depression and anxiety or distorted due to mania or disassociation. A number of gifted people also suffer suppression due to the medication which which motivates some to refuse it, hence making self-sufficiency difficult, if not impossible. Executive functions are operations of our brain that help us traverse our world and realize our needs and desires. Stimulus is detected by our many senses, it is cognitively proceeded, and then a response is gr generated. The cognition and response frequently involve executive functions such as problem-solving, diligent thinking, planning, organizing, attention span, and decision-making. It has been shown that during a homelessness episode, these and other EFs become compromised because of our nervous system is wired to revert to flight or fright. To fight or flight. Survival mode, living in this mode after day, this mode day after day can become toxic. According to firesteelwa.org, homelessness and poverty can have lasting consequences because they can create toxic stresses. Toxic stresses can alter how the brain and body responds to and process stress. Toxic stresses can damage executive functions, memory, learning, and social information processing. Although it is not functionally acknowledged, one of the effort effects in an education has on a student is the practice and development of executive function skills. Our brains come with them installed, but it is through education 
that we are supposed to learn to use them fully. If we drop out of school, you miss the training. If you fall through the cracks into homelessness, you probably won't have these skills to begin with, let alone have them comprised. It is intuitive to think that there is a negative relationship between homelessness and education. There is an evidence that proves it. If a high school student is homeless, there is an 80% chance they will not graduate. It has been shown that high school students living in the inner city and attending underperforming schools also have a high probability of becoming homeless. What if there was a way to restore executive functions to such degree that those with comprised ability could undo the damage caused by toxic stresses and take steps towards self-sufficiency. And what if those whose EFs are comp- compromised due to due to lack of exposure of education could receive that training, thus enhancing their EFs to the point that they also begin they also being able to navigate their way to self-sufficiency like their highly intelligent peers. As a training group, they could easily become solving each other's problems and create a synergy of independence in solidarity and community. They could run their they could run for office and make real changes due to their life experiences, not just for homeless people, for but for all. They could join homelessness grassroots affiliates to bring insight and leadership. They could begin to solve not just their own problems and the big problems of friends and strangers, but of the municipality and society at large. The new not-for-profit neo-training initiative seeks to set out for the, just for this type of group, initially focusing on the homelessness, homeless community and their particular set of needs. After January 1st, there will be NTI sessions held at the Daytime Warming Center, one in Ypsilanti at the Fright House and one in Ann Arbor at the Rotating Church site, promising to make strengthening life skills and the EFs fun and engaging. If you're interested, please call 231-670-6059. Thank you. Remembering Robert Jandelanis, a champion of compassion and community, by Joshua Lee. In the quiet echoes of an arbor, a man's legacy echoes through the halls of a shelter, reminding the community of the indomitable spirit of compassion and dedication that can change lives. Robert J. Delanis, former chairman of Great Lakes National Bank, now part of TCF, left an enduring mark on the city through his instrumental role in the establishment of a shelter that now bears his name. The journey began in the late 1990s when Delanis, a respected figure in the business world, lent his administrative and financial expertise to the Shelter Association of Washington County. As a chairman of the management oversight community generated by the county's task force on homelessness, he dedicated himself to improving the agency's capacity to address the pressing issue of homelessness in the community. Ellen R. Schulmeister, the former founding and longtime executive director of the Shelter Association, fondly recalls Delanis' commitment to the cause. 
He was dedicated to helping people who were homeless. He lent his administrative and financial background to the Shelter Association to help us provide our agencies, she said. Uh, the culmination of Delanis' efforts came to fruition in the form of a groundbreaking project, the construction of a shelter facility that would need to provide haven for those in need. From 1998 to mid-2000s, has collaborated with the Washington Housing Alliance, the county, the city of Ann Arbor, and an architectural firm to plan and design the building that would stand as a symbol of community unity. Bob Delanis symbolized how the community came together on this issue, remarked County Administrator Robert E. Wenzel, who regarded Delanis' leadership role in chairing the oversight committee. A person of his stature gave credibility to the project. Delanis' commitment to the project remained steadfast in, even in the face of personal challenges. Despite battling a kidney condition, he played a pivotal role in securing city approval and funding for the shelter. The Ann Arbor City Council's decision on June 19, 2000 marked a significant milestone with Delanis' presence reflecting his unwavering dedication to the cause. Beyond his involvement in the shelter project, Delanis had a history of community engagement. His previous roles in organizations like Washington United Way, National Kidney Foundation, R-Train, NEW Center, and Catholic Social Services of Washington County showcased his broad commitment to social causes and nonprofit endeavors. The building he now proudly bears, Robert Delanis' name, stands as a testament to his vision and a collaborative spirit of the Ann Arbor community. Completed in October and operational since November 2003, the four-store facility provides separate men's and women's sleeping quarters with a total of 50 beds, a kitchen serving meals to 120 people on site, and additional amenities such as a medical clinic and psychological evaluation services. As Ann Arbor residents walk past the Delana Center, they are reminded not only of the man who dedicated his time and energy to a cause greater than himself, but also of the profound impact that can be achieved when a community rallies together. Robert J. Delana's legacy lives on in the compassionate spaces he helped create, serving as an enduring reminder that indeed it takes a community. Washtenaw County lends an ear to those with lived experience. Within Washtenaw County, there is a department dedicated to bringing equality to all of its citizens. Part of the Racial Equity Office's mission statement reads, We are spearheading the charge of racial equality policy, addressing existing inequities in the county, and ultimately making Washtenaw County a more equitable place to live and work. Department Director Elise Asbury Payne says that her work on racial equity also encompasses those who are impacted by other inequities, such as housing. In an effort to reach those who are unhoused, Payne formed a recent event giving special focus to those with lived experience. Also known as epistemic privilege, this line of thinking gives recognition to those who have lived through a crisis as being the experts in sharing their knowledge. Payne also prioritized compensating the panelists for their time and effort, which is often overlooked. There were three participants on the panel. 
entitled Housing Equity, co-creating a vision for housing equity in Washtenaw County, centering on the lives of lived experience. Each unhoused panelist shared their unique experiences on the homeless struggle in front of an audience of social workers and commissioners who gathered to gain a more firsthand account of what it means to live unhoused in the county. The panel included Rebecca Bongo, who spoke from the perspective of the working homeless living a van life. Another participant was Gia Powers, a mid-20s individual who has been housing insecure for about the past year. I was the third person on the panel, having lived a decade unhoused following a mass layoff of teachers in the school district where I had previously worked. The panelists' lives outside of mainstream housing were diverse, each reflective of different lifestyles and demographics. Rebecca Bongo, the only panelist who holds down a full-time mainstream job while sleeping in her van, she experienced the, her world quote-unquote changed in 2018 and that she has crisscrossed the country several times in what she calls her rig, trying to figure things out. Of the many questions posed by the moderator, an important one asks panelists, which available resources in the country for the Of the many questions posed by the moderator, an important one asks panelists which available resources in the county for the unhoused are most beneficial. Powers was quick to praise Solidarity House in Ypsilanti, which she credits with saving her life. Each panelist agreed that Fed Up Ministries is taking steps in the right direction by providing a menu that is more like restaurant fare than food designed for, quote-unquote, the homeless. The general consensus and praise was towards organizations who are providing a more humanizing experience for those who are unhoused rather than those who tend to treat unhoused people like numbers and statistics. The Delana Center generated the least favorable response from panelists, with Bongo noting that many individuals are unable to cope with the cramped quarters and other restrictions of shelter life. Her sentiment may shed light on the feelings of many who are experiencing homelessness in a new 21st century world where people who are un unhoused are still looked upon as dregs on society and too often lack places to be in the daytime due to lack of day shelters. Having lived a decade outside of mainstream housing, I express my frustration that the systemic issues of storage and available showers go unaddressed. I noted how this leads to more people who are unhoused not being able to move freely or be presentable for job interviews. Dan Kelly, who is director of the Atlanta Center in Ann Arbor, agreed with the need for better storage solutions and is making plans to address the problem in an upcoming meeting, which is a positive sign that listening to those with lived experience can be productive. When asked for suggestions for change, Powers talked about more direct giving, and Bongo and I agreed the need for supervised Wi-Fi-equipped parking lots designed for people who are living in vehicles. While this panel was a significant step in the right direction and holds the promise of more inclusion 
for the unhoused community, it still feels symbolic, even experimental. Unfortunately, there are no plans in the near future for similar panels. And with the exception of some input for storage solutions for Delanis, none of us were invited to be a part of any major decisions going forward. Yet, for a government agency to hear our voices and provide compensation for our time seems to indicate that there is real hope that more inclusion is on the horizon. To My Fiancé, My Soulmate, by Sean Swaffer, ground cover vendor number 574. As the coldness of winter sets in, I feel a chill down my spine. As I look over and see you holding my hand, I have never had such strong emotion, such a deep connection to you. I look into your eyes and see our future. And as the sun sets above the snow, I just know you are my soulmate. I love you forever and ever to the love of my life. Man of God, Earl Pulling, ground cover contributor. A man of God for whosoever shall forsake a man who has scorned on bended knee. May the wrath of God fall on his head, and then God shall deliver him from the eternal fire, which is sure to come. Thus then will the scorned man rise from the pit of desolation to the gates of heaven, like a man who is in the desert and there is no way out, no water and no end in sight. The title of this poem is You Always Lie, I Always Cry by me, Teresa, vendor number 570. You'll never understand the way I feel. You always lie, I always cry. You're always breaking my heart when I always fight to keep, even when I feel you creep. You tear me apart. You never keep your word. You always put me from 10th to 3rd. Everything we ever had planned, we just don't go. You always say you love me. I can see you really don't. Happy Holidays by Ken Parks, ground cover vendor 490. I am the firstborn child of deeply religious parents. My father was a convert from sin to salvation. 
God was a better high than alcohol. I'm sure he woke up with a hangover on January 1st as the holidays ended in the holy days. He learned from my mother that Jesus was our friend of unconditional love. The belief in unconditional love led to marriage in the context of World War II. I was conceived a month after Pearl Harbor and was born the following October. The Battle of Stalingrad was raging and the American people were praying for a Red Army victory over the German Nazi Blitzkrieg. It was the bloodiest battle in human history and the beginning of the end of Hitler's Third Reich. The Canadian Broadcasting Company had a big battle series and was given access to both German and Russian archives to present an epic experience of the Battle of Stalingrad. Absolutely unforgettable. Our family celebrated Christmas with a deep belief that the birth of the Prince of Peace was a holy breakthrough. If we would follow the example of Jesus, we would experience peace and share it with the world. Our tradition came from the revolutionary expression of the Reformation called Pietistic Anabaptist. The Brethren, Mennonite, and Amish churches come from this tradition. We are committed to a simple life of service. The military is not considered service, and we are encouraged to do alternative service. In my case, I was assigned to a German industrial mission, Boys Home. Gosner Mission in West Germany was founded by Horst Szymanowski, a veteran of the German resistance to fascism. It was so interesting that I extended my service for six months to participate in a seminar about the mission of the church under 1960s capitalism. We went to a socialist country, in our case Poland, and worked in the German peace movement to settle World War II and agreement to the boundary between the two countries. We also organized against German troops in Vietnam. Fascism is a belief in supremacism. There is a new book, Wealth Supremacy by Marjorie Kelly, which explains our current supremacism. Can you imagine my inner turmoil as I experienced the commodification of Christmas and the simultaneous march of the war machine becoming the main context of our lives? The next war begins before the last one ends. Millions can aspire for peace in the face of our habitual addiction to self-destruction. We have not yet reached critical mass for peace. More love is the answer. As Thich Nhat Hanh taught, meditate on your worst enemy until you see yourself in them. The illusion of a permanent separate self will dissolve into a more complete reality, the all-good expanse of primordial purity. All holy beings are at ease here. This may sound impossible until you begin to experience that reality has no borders. Look for the best teachers who embody this truth and can point the way. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. A natural breath will open the door. Continue as long as necessary. You will come out of the holy days and become pure holiness. This is my faith assumption. I choose this over the prevailing cynicism and nihilism, two, word, two words which mean nothing matters. 
The study of actions and their results is the way to knowledge and wisdom. When holidays become a holy days, we can come out of the trance by reminding, by remembering our ancestors and all our relations. Find your center in this community. Christmas Super Moist Cornbread by Joshua Lee. The ingredients are two cups of flour, one cup cornmeal, one cup of sugar, one and a half tablespoons of baking powder, one teaspoon of salt, one cup or 16 tablespoons of melted butter, half a cup of oil, one and a half cups of milk, three large eggs. Optional creative add-ins or honey and extra butter for serving. Directions. Preheat oven to 350 degrees and grease a 9 by 13 inch pan. In a large bowl, whisk together flour, cornmeal, sugar, baking powder, and salt. In a medium bowl, mix melted butter, oil, milk, and eggs. Add wet ingredients to dry ingredients and mix until combined. Customize your Christmas cornbread experience with creative add-ins, from shredded cheddar cheese to candied jalapenos, green chilies, and even bacon. Infuse your cornbread with the flavors of the season. Transfer batter to the prepared pan. Bake for 35 to 45 minutes until golden, and a toothpick comes out clean. Allow to cool for 15 to 20 minutes before cutting into squares. Serve with butter and honey if desired.